you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, O Lord, my God. Give light to my eyes, or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to you, Lord, for you have been good to me. family <laughs> it is so good to be with you this weekend and I am thrilled and am so grateful that we have the opportunity to gather as one church in multiple locations and continue to worship by engaging the word of God together today and I trust that whether you are here in Bettendorf in Rock Island men in Kiwani those of you joining us online that you have already encountered and that we will encounter a real risen conquering King Jesus as we engage his word together today and as we do that we're going to continue to look at some of the powerful prayers and moments of praise that we find uh, throughout the book of Psalms. And for me personally, this, this journey and these conversations have been especially impactful. And I've actually also taken up the challenge that Pastor Sean offered early on to read through the book of Psalms just in my own personal uh, moments with Jesus and throughout the week. And I have to tell you, as I have read those, I have found myself and the Holy Spirit deeply challenging me in really meaningful and surprising ways. In fact, what I've been reminded of as I've read through the Psalms is just how expansive and how real the Psalms are. In fact, one of the things that surprised me, uh, obviously we know the book of Psalms isn't chronological by any way, um, but what surprised me is how when you go from one chapter to the next, how the, the emotions just range wildly, right? I mean, it's as if um, whatever the psalmist is encountering in that very moment deeply impacts what that psalm looks like. And as, in fact, as we look at the entirety of the book of Psalms, there's one thing that really illustrates for you and I, and it's just this reality that prayer is a response to every circumstance. Prayer is the response to every single circumstance. It's as if you can like literally read a chapter in the book of Psalms, and, and depending on what the psalmist or the psalmist that's writing that is, it, regardless of what it is, high, low, good, bad, ugly, amazing, they are praying. Because prayer is the, the response to every circumstance. It actually reminds me of a quote by a guy by the name of Martin Luther. Some of you may be familiar with that name, a great spiritual leader in the life of the church. Uh, but Martin Luther said, to be a Christian and not pray is, to, is as we're saying that we're alive but not breathing. Right? He's saying, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, and we're not praying, that's almost like saying, I'm alive, but I'm not breathing. In other words, prayer is to be the very breath of our life. Prayer is the response to every single circumstance. And we see that throughout the book of Psalms, and it's the same idea that the Apostle Paul speaks to in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting verse 16, where he says this. He says, rejoice always and pray when? Continually. He says, pray continually. Give thanks in all what? In all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What the Apostle Paul is saying and what Martin Luther was saying, what we see in the book of Psalms is that prayer is the response to every single 
circumstance. Now, it probably doesn't come as a surprise to you. I'm, fairly an excite, I'm a fairly excitable person. Does that shock anyone in these spaces? Not at all, right? And so when I read the book of Psalms, I love the Psalms that just declare God's goodness and his glory. I mean, I love the Psalms that are saying how good God is and how powerful he is to deliver and to move. Just this weekend, I was reading Psalm 18 in my quiet time, and it's a psalm of great praise and gratitude and, and deliverance. And there's this reminder that God looks at us as like the apple in his eye, and he, he covers us with his wing and protects us. And I was so fired up in my prayer room, I could have got up and like ran through the wall. I mean, like no joke. I'm like, that is who my God is. And I love those moments in the Psalms. In fact, there's one quote uh, throughout the book of Psalms in different spaces, and it sounds a little bit different depending on who the author is, but it'll say something along the lines of, I will go to the sanctuary and I will declare the marvelous deeds, the good things my God has done. And I'll tell you today is before we even jump into the word of God together, there's some things that I feel like I just have to share that God is doing. All right, and some of you are aware this week, uh, this past week, we had Spring Hill Camp right here at the Bettendorf campus, and I'll tell you, it was absolutely bananas, all right? It was crazy around here. Check this out. We had 159 kids registered that took part in that event, all right? Like, that is awesome. That is significant. And before I tell you what God has done and the marvelous deeds that he did this week, I want you to get just a glimpse of what those 159 kids experienced this week. So check out this video.
And that's just a glimpse of the craziness that happened around here at the Bettendorf campus. And, and listen, as exciting and as awesome as like rock climbing walls are and crazy like slip and slides, I want an adult version of that, by the way, all right? Um, as awesome as those things are, here's what really matters, all right? We had 159 kids who came and took part of that, and that is awesome. But here's the cool thing. Out of those 159 kids, 55 children made decisions to follow Jesus Christ. That is amazing, all right? Of those 55, 19 of them were first-time decisions. And then check this out. Out of the 159 kids who were a part of that, 93% of those kids articulated the desire to take their next step. For some of them, it was stepping into relationship with Jesus. Others, it was actually saying, I want to follow him in my daily life. I want to tell others about him. I want to trust him. Some of these kids are saying, I want to be baptized. And coming up August 18th, when we do our river baptism, I can't wait to see some of those children step in to the waters of baptism. In fact, one of those that we were following up with just this weekend, actually last night, Saturday night, as we followed up with her, uh, she ended up giving her life to Christ right there last night at our Saturday night service. And I'm telling you, God has done amazing things. It's incredible. And we should celebrate that stuff, amen? Like, we should totally celebrate what God is doing. And it's this sense of joy, this sense of excitement, this sense of jubilation that we really see in some of these psalms in which they're declaring God's goodness and how amazing he is. And we love these moments where we can like taste and feel and touch and see God at work, don't we? But we also realize that not all of life is that way. Would you guys agree? We encounter hardship. Things happen in our life. Trauma comes and we find ourselves absolutely stuck. So we should celebrate what God has done all week long here. But I also want you to know, as God was doing amazing things here and in and amongst us through Spring Hill Camp, there were also families that I personally walked with this week that encountered great tragedy. As God was doing crazy things here, I walked with families who received the news that they had lost their job and who were crying out to God saying, God, how am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to keep a roof over my family's head? I walked alongside a family who received a diagnosis that literally stopped them in their tracks. I walked with one family who, um, uh, actually a spouse who found out that their spouse had been unfaithful to him and walked, walked along the journey of watching them reel in that reality. I walked with two families who had to walk through the unexpected loss of a loved one. One of them was a 33-year-old boy that I actually grew up playing in the neighborhood, playing kickball or whatever else we did. And at the age of 33, he overdosed. And it was tragic. And these stories are real. Now, here's the deal today. Every one of us in these spaces in one and three places, some of us today are walking in the midst of one of these tragic moments. We're walking through the dark. We're in the middle of the challenge. We're asking God, where are you? It's as if the lights have gone out in our life. Some of us are in that very space today. Others of us have just recently come out of a traumatic moment in our life, and we're just so grateful that we're through it, that we can breathe again. And every one of us in this space today in the days or weeks or months or years ahead, the reality is we're going to face one of these moments, a moment of trauma. And some of you are saying, hey, Justin, can we get back to the exciting stuff? Like, I, I liked that a lot more. And I totally get that. In fact, a couple months ago when our teaching team was around the table and we were seeking to discern uh, the Holy Spirit's leading in, in these conversations around the book of Psalms and which communicators would communicate about which Psalms, um, I'll be honest with you, I wanted one of the happy, clappy, like, God is good, God is great, thank you for these food, amen, Psalms. Like, that's the ones that I wanted. But today, that's not what I'm going to communicate about. 
And I'll be honest with you, when the more that I've sought God's face and I've looked at the book uh, of Psalms and especially the Psalms of Lament, I've become increasingly convinced that if you and I, if you're a follower of Jesus today, if we can learn how to navigate these difficult, challenging, traumatic, dark moments of life, it'll change everything for us. In fact, today, what we're going to do is we're going to actually take a look at one of the Psalms of Lament. Now, lament isn't necessarily... um, a term that we use a lot in our culture today, right? But it's something that if I give you just a basic definition of what lament is, you'll realize that all of us are acutely aware and have walked in seasons in which we truly have been in a, in a posture of lament. So lament is just simply, uh, as a verb, is to express sorrow, mourning, or regret for. Or as a noun, noun, it's literally a crying out. I want you to get a picture of when things are so desperate and things are so broken, it's almost as if all we can do is moan. That's what lament is, and we've all been there, where things in our life have just fallen apart and we don't know what to do with that, and we find ourselves in a place just going, God, what are you doing? And so today, we're going to take a look at the Psalms of lament. Now, the reality is one-third of the Psalms are these Psalms of lament, one-third of them. And today, we're going to look at one of these. And the Psalms of the Men are literally moments where the psalmists are in the midst of these broken, desperate times, and they're crying out to God, just saying, God, where are you? Would you deliver me, heal me, restore me? And so today, we're going to take a look at one of those, and it's Psalm chapter 13. So I encourage you, grab your Bible, grab your device. We're going to get there in just a moment. But I want to give you a little context of what's going on in this psalm, because context is important. It helps us know how to read uh, with the right lenses. You see, this psalm is written by a guy named David. Some of us know David. For those of you who don't, David was a shepherd. A shepherd was kind of the, the lowliest of the low. That was the profession that no one else wanted to do. David was the youngest of a number of brothers, and, and unbeknownst to David, a prophet, by the name of Samuel, um, God led him to David's family and said, go to David's home, uh, the home of Jesse, David's dad, and go and anoint a king. And so the prophet Samuel went to Jesse's house. He looks at all of David's brothers in order, and God says, I haven't chosen any of them. And so then they said, okay, go ahead and call that younger brother, the one that's actually out there doing the, the, the dirty task, and bring him in. And so David comes in, this young man, and it's in that moment that the prophet Samuel says, God says to him, anoint this man king. All right, so David is anointed king. It's a, it's a powerful moment. But then it's also David is the kind of the scrawny little guy that goes to take his brother some food on the battle lines, all right? And his brothers are all um, in the uh, Israelite army. And, and it's David that walks out onto the battlefield to face Goliath, right? Remember, all the, the Israelite soldiers are like shaking in their boots, wetting themselves because they can't like fathom the idea that they're going to go against Goliath. And David's the one that goes out there, not in his own strength, but with a confidence in God. He's the one that grabs the stones, puts them in his sling, swings it around, smacks Goliath right in the middle of the forehead with a stone. Goliath falls down. David cuts his head off. Cool story, right? Like, awesome story. That was, like, really brief. Encourage you to check it out. But what happens in that moment is David goes from this scrawny boy and begins to build up some popularity. People begin to love him. He goes back home with the Israelite army, and and they start to say, well, Saul has killed the thousands. Saul is the king at the time. Doesn't know that David's been um, anointed by God to be the next king. They say Saul's killed the thousands, but David the ten thousands, right? So David is becoming more and more and more and more popular. Well, Saul gets a little bit jealous and decides, you know what? David's a threat. I'm going to kill this guy. And so what happens is David He has to flee for his life. He leaves all that he knows, all that his family, all his friends, everything that he has, and he finds himself running for his life in the midst of a dark cave, utterly alone and abandoned. And that's where he writes these words in Psalm chapter 13, 
verse 1 and 2. He says, how long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? Will you hide your, how long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day after day after day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Can you hear the desperation in these words? Can you hear the pain in these words? I mean, we can almost see David in the midst of this cave where it's dark, utterly abandoned and alone, and we can just see David and hear David saying, God, where are you? How long do I have to deal with this? Like, what have I done? Have I not honored you with my life? I mean, remember, David is the one in Scripture that says, God says about David himself that this is a man after my own heart. And yet here we find this man after God's own heart in the midst of a cave, feeling broken, abandoned, and alone. And all of us have been here, haven't we? We've been in a spot where we're saying, God, where are you? What are you doing? We're watching our child as a parent run headlong into destruction. And we're going, God, what are you doing? Haven't I honored you and how I raised my kids? Or maybe we go to the doctor and we receive a diagnosis and we're saying, God, if you're a God of love, why would you make me endure this? Or somebody that we love dearly takes their last breath and we say, God, who are you that you would take the one that I love? Maybe we're in a spot where we've been betrayed by someone and we're saying, Lord, this is who you are? This is what you let happen? We've been there. This isn't new to us. But in that moment, just like with David, it's true of us. That is a pivotal moment for you and I. It's almost in some ways like we come to a fork in the road. And when challenge comes, we have one of two options. It's not a matter of if challenge will come or if trauma will come. It will come. But when it comes, we have one of two options. And the first is simply to give up. When challenge comes, we can choose to give up. We can shake our fist in the air and say, you know what, God, that is enough. I am done with you. I have waited on you. I have trusted you. I have honored you. And now you've let this happen. I'm done with you. I've had enough. Here's the towel. I'm throwing it in on you. It's game over. I'm done. I'm giving up. But can I tell you today, when we choose to give up, it just leads to greater devastation in our life. I mean, think about it this way. When we choose to take the towel and throw it in on God and give up, it's this and we turn and walk away, we literally are walking away from the one person who can heal us, the one who can restore us, the one who can deliver us. And that hardship that we're walking through, that grieving that you're encountering, that reeling of finding out a spouse is unfaithful, that watching your child run into headlong into destruction and hurt and harm, I want you to know today, none of that was God's plan, ever. I mean, think back to the beginning of the Bible, right? God creates the heaven and earth, book of Genesis. He creates man and woman, everything in the world, and he says all they're very, that's all very good, very good, right? Do you remember what God's desire was for Adam and Eve? To live with him forever. God's desire would there be no sickness, there'd be no pain, there'd be no grieving, there'd be no death, there'd be no destruction, there'd be no betrayal. But what changed that? Sin, sin. Satan comes along as a, as a serpent. He deceives Adam and Eve into eating the fruit, the one thing that God asked them not to do. And in a moment, sin enters the world. And with it comes suffering. With it comes shame. With it comes sickness. With it comes death. With it comes betrayal. That was never God's intent all along, was it? Never his intent. 
But God so loved us that thousands of years later that he sent his own son, Jesus, who hung on that cross, who bore our sin, who bore our shame, so that we, through faith in him, could be restored to relationship with God and have the hope of a day that will come in which all of those things will be gone. But yet here we live in a world today where we still interact with the implications and the ripple of sin day in and day out. And then check this out, that same enemy, that same Satan that that deceived Adam and Eve seeks to deceive you and I in those moments when hardship comes to get us in a place where we'll shake our fist at God and say, how could you let this happen? Who do you think you are? You think you're God? You think that you're good? I'm done with you. And he seeks to deceive us to give up on him. So when challenge comes, we have one of two choices. We can give in to what the enemy wants us to do and to give, in up, give up on God, or we can choose to look up. When challenge comes, we can give up. We can throw in the towel, or we can look up to him. Now here's David in the midst of devastation in this cave, and, and, he's, and he's at this crossroads in a very real way. David has a choice. Will I give up on God, or will I look up? And look how David responds in verse 3 of Psalm 13. He says this, Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes, or I will sleep in death, and my enemy will say I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. Here's David in the midst of this devastation. He's at the fork in the road. He can choose, I'm going to give up or I'm going to look up. And David chooses in his brokenness, in his desperation to say, you know what, God? I'm going to chase after you. I'm going to grab hold of you. David prays, right? Prayer is the response to every circumstance. And in this moment, David chooses to look up and to pray. And he says, look on me, God. Look on me. I'm right here. I've been asking you many times. Look on me and answer me. And then he says, Lord, what? My God. Lord, my God, I'm not giving up. I'm looking up. And he says, give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. What David is saying is, God, you got to help me see right now. You got to give me wisdom on what you're doing because right now I just don't get it. He says, God, give light to my eyes. Help me see you in the midst of this. I trust that you're here. I can't see you right now, but Lord, give light to my eyes. I need to see you because if I don't see you, I'm going to die. I am that desperate that I'm just going to die. And he goes on to say, and my enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. David is reminding God that, listen, Lord, there are people who want to take me out. There are people who want to rejoice. And these are the same people that realize that you are my God. And if you don't answer me, they're going to rejoice knowing that ultimately you weren't powerful enough to deliver me. And in a moment, David looks up In much the same way in Psalm 121, we see another psalmist write these words in the midst of challenge, in the midst of darkness. This is what it says, Psalm 121. It says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. I choose to look up. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. When challenge comes, we can give up or we can look up. And David, in the midst of that moment, chooses to look up. He chooses to look up, and then something changes in David. Something changes in David. You see, in the moment when he was faced this challenge, he's there, he's alone, he's abandoned, he could have given up, but he looked up. And then David's narrative begins to change. And that's simply why uh, the, the truth of shifting our focus leads to changing our narrative. 
Shifting our focus leads to changing our narrative. And look what David records in verse 5 and 6 where we see this. David has chosen not to give up but to look up. In this circumstances, he's chose to pray. And then look what happens to him and how his perspective changes. It says this, verse 5, but, everyone say but. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been what? Good to me. Wow. Do you hear the change? David's narrative that he's been telling himself in his mind is, goes from a posture of, how long, O oh Lord? How long will you forget me? How long will you, will you just abandon me? How long will you hide your face to me? And it goes to a narrative, but I will trust in your unfailing love. I mean, listen to how he describes his heart change. Remember in verse 2 where he says, day after day after day after day, I, I wrestle with sorrow in my heart. Look what it says here. My heart what? My heart what? Rejoices in your salvation. His perspective has completely changed. And look at the very end of verse 6 here. It says, I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Kind of a unique thing about this word good. It's the first time in scripture that God is described as good. And it comes in the midst of a dark cave. In a moment in which it seems to David that God has forgotten him. But in the midst of this circumstance, in the midst of the challenge, in the midst of the darkness, David chooses to pray. He says, I will not give up. I will look up. And when he looks up to God, when he shifts his focus from the darkness of the cave, the darkness of the abandonment, the darkness of the pit, it changes the narrative in his mind. And that's true for David today. That's true for you. And that's true for me. In fact, I want to share with you a story of one of our own heritage family members. Her name is Carolyn. Carolyn has endured incredible hardship throughout her life. And as you listen to her resurrection story today, I want you to see if you can just hear the moment when she could have given up but chose to look up. I want you to see if you can see the moment where she shifted her focus from her hardship to Jesus. And if you can just tell the moment that the narrative within her shifts. So check out Carolyn's resurrection story. been a single mom for about 10 years or so and pretty much had given up on the idea of ever finding um, a Christian man to marry. Um, there were a lot of men out there but they didn't love Christ and I thought you know this can't happen unless they love Christ and so I was very lonely um, but in hindsight um, after I met James uh, I realized that God had planned that all along, that he had had me waiting um, until James would be there. And uh, we were together 21 years. Um, the last eight years were progressively difficult because he was diagnosed with a, a chronic uh, disease. It was unpleasant um, to watch someone that you love as much as I did him um, struggle that eventually became debilitating and took his life. You know, that whole day was like a blur, just an unreality. And when I saw his body at the mortuary, when they said, you know, I have a chance to say goodbye one last time, it's like, okay, stop joking around, wake up, get up. 
Um, and when I went home, it was just this horrible, empty abyss. It didn't feel like home. Um, and the days that followed were just, I felt numb. Everything was a blur. I thought I was coping. I, I thought I was doing really well. I thought, I got this. I, I understand he's in heaven. He's experiencing the glory of God. Christmas time came and I thought, what a wrath. <laughs> You're in heaven. You're rejoicing with all the angels and, and you know, all this firsthand beautiful stuff. And here I am struggling. That was my first hint that I was angry. I was angry that he had left. Um, I was angry at God that he took him. As the days went along, um, for, the, for the first month or so, I slept at night holding a cross. That was my tangible uh, connection with God. And, but you know, in Zephaniah it says that, that God sings over us. sleep dream music um, I would wake up singing music and I knew it wasn't me I knew it was the Holy Spirit um, that's how God chose initially to comfort me was with songs through all of this God's presence his presence was almost tangible all loss all change creates havoc in our soul if we can't hand it over to God and say, I know that you've got my back. I've, I've been fortunate. Um, I, I'm in a loving church. <laughs> I can't say enough about heritage because it's my family. It is truly my family. On Saturday nights, I think, do I have to go home now? Do I have to leave? <laughs> can't we stay here some more? I mean, I have wonderful friends. Um, I was fortunate enough to, for God to just drop me into a home group that kind of wrapped their arms around me and and carried me along when I couldn't, didn't feel like being carried along maybe. I don't think I was so much of a warrior before and this turned me into a warrior and I will fight tooth and nail for souls <laughs> like never before. You know, Christ died for the one. You know, he left the 99 and, and went after the one. And each of us is that one. My name is Carolyn Clemens, and this is my resurrection story. It's a powerful story, isn't it? Did you catch the moment where she said, I was angry at James, and man, was I angry at God. That was the moment. She could have given up. That was the moment she could have said, God, I'm done. You took the man I've waited for for years. But she chose to look up, didn't she? I love that moment where she says, I, I, I slept with my cross as a tangible reminder, as a tangible reminder for me to look up. She said in that moment, she said, uh, in any loss or change wreaks havoc on our soul if we do not give it to God. And the reality is when challenge comes, if we choose not to look up and to give it to him, it does create havoc in us. Now, I'll tell you, Carolyn attends our Rock Island campus, and, and if I went and I talked with her right now, I have no doubt that she would say, oh, if I could just have one more conversation with James. Oh, if I could just be with him one more time. If I could just feel his embrace one more time, what I wouldn't do. But what Carolyn has decided is that she's not going to focus on that. 
She's going to shift her focus to Jesus. And it changed the narrative in her. It gave her a renewed sense of purpose, a sense of joy. Did you catch that? Because shifting our focus changes our narrative. You know, there's a promise in Isaiah chapter 43, and, and, and I want to take a look at that together, but I want you to know that this promise that's said in Isaiah 43 is coming from the very God who longs for you and I in moments of challenge, in moments of hardship, in moments of trauma, to look to him, to come to him. And this is what he says in Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 and 2. He says, but now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who created you, Justin, he who created you, Carolyn, he who created you, Connie, he who created you, Luke, he who created you, Steve, he who created you, Lynette, put your name in there. He who created you, Jacob, who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, and you are mine. What a beautiful picture, but listen to this promise in verse 2. It says, when you pass through the waters, everybody say when. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when, everybody say when. And when you pass through the rivers, regardless of how strong the current is, when it feels like the water's getting to your, to your chin and you can't go on any longer, when it feels like it's going to overcome you, when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when, everyone say when. When you walk through the fire. Even when you feel like your body temperature's rising and your skin's getting hot, even when you walk through the fire and the challenges of life, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. What a powerful promise. And I'll tell you, it's been this promise that I've had to go through over and over and over throughout my life as I've encountered deep darkness and sorrow. And it's the same promise as I get a chance to walk with many who are encountering great tragedy and challenge that I point to. Because the truth is, is the same God who spoke these promises to the Israelites throughout Isaiah chapter 43 is the same God that David looked to in the midst of that cave. And the same God that David looked to in the midst of that cave in Psalm 13 is the same God that we gather in these spaces this weekend to worship and to celebrate. And the same God that we gather to worship and celebrate today is the God who promised us, us that when we walk through the waters, when we walk through the rivers, when we walk through the deep, dark moments of life, when we walk through the fires, that he will be with us. He's the same God that says, do not fear. I am with you. Regardless of the circumstances, I'm there. You see, prayer is the response to every circumstance. And when we come into moments of challenge, moments of heartache, we can choose to give up or we can look up. But man, when we look up and we take our focus off the darkness and the challenge that we're facing, no matter how hard, the narrative within us changes. God begins to transform us in the midst of of the circumstances. Because remember, David in Psalm 13, his circumstances didn't change, did they? But he changed. And so you may be asking, so what? What does this mean for me? What do I do with this today, Justin? Like, how do I live differently? I hear you. And let me say this. If you can hear my voice today, here in Bettendorf, Rock Island, listening online, men in Kiwani, if you can hear my voice today, the reality is, is that you're either walking through one of these dark moments right now, you're in the midst of the fire. You're in the midst of the flood. Or you've come out of one, or you will in the days or weeks and months and years ahead be walking into one of those. And what I want you to know is regardless of how old you are, regardless of the color of your skin, the culture you come from, what neighborhood you grow up in, regardless of your socioeconomic status or your political affiliation, listen, tragedy can strike in a moment. 
and the lights can go out. And the sad thing is, is that these moments hit so quickly that we don't have a chance to prepare. We don't have a chance to look at our notes. We don't have a chance to engage scripture and go, okay, let me prepare for this moment. The reality is trauma hits. The phone rings, you get the news. You're sitting in front of a doctor and you hear the diagnosis cancer and your world comes to a screeching halt. Your child goes and does something that absolutely just destroys their life or that car passes in front of you and you don't have time to respond or you find out that you're one that you trusted, that you gave your life to, has been unfaithful and in a moment in the dark when you can't see your hand in front of your face, you have a choice to make. Will you give up? Will you shake your fist at God? Will you throw your hands in the air and say, you know what, God, I'm done. If you are a God who is good, you wouldn't let this happen. And if you are a God who is for me, there is no way that you'd make me walk through this. And if you are God and you're on the throne, why would you let this happen over on the other side of the world? Why would you let this happen in my neighborhood? And you can choose to give up in that moment in the midst of the darkness, or you can choose to look up. You can choose to look up and remind yourself that you, God, are the one who is faithful. You're the one who says, you'll never leave me nor forsake me. You are the God that says, you'll give me the strength to do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You're the God who promised me in the midst of the river that you will be with me. In the midst of the fire when my skin is feeling like it's going to engulf in flames that you promise that it will not burn me. This will be the moment where you choose to look up to Jesus. Jesus, who in John chapter 16 says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. You will have moments that the lights go out in your life. In the moments where you can't see God at work. In the moments where everything is falling apart. In the moments of trouble. But take heart, Jesus says, I have overcome the world. In the midst of the darkness, will you look up to Jesus? Will you look to Jesus, the one who says, I have overcome the world? Or will you look to Jesus, the one who says in Revelation chapter 21, that he will wipe every tear from their eyes? That there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. In the midst of the darkness, will you give up? Or will you look up to Jesus? Will you take your eyes off of the darkness, off of the situation, off of the trauma, and shift your focus on him? And let the narrative change so then you can walk in the light. In the midst of darkness, what will you choose? So let me ask you this question as we close today. In what areas of your life do you need to look to Jesus today? What areas of your life do you need to look to Jesus today? I recognize that some of you in this very moment are walking through the darkness, are walking through the tragedy. And you're tempted right now to give up. Listen to me, don't give up. Don't give up. Be like David in the midst of that cave and say, God, look to me, answer me. I'm not giving up on you, I'm holding fast to you. Look to him and say, God, you gotta give light to my eyes. You gotta help me see or I'm gonna die. Be one that takes hold of him today. Look up to him. And perhaps some of us have walked through situations in our background that have hurt, been hurtful and traumatic and we've been in places where we've given up on God. Perhaps today the Holy Spirit wants to take, take you back to that moment, not to be cruel, but to believe you, bring you to a place where you can take the towel back and rather than give up, you can look up. I want to close with the story, and this is a story um, that really began a couple months ago as I found out I was going to teach on this, this idea of lament. And literally as I walked out of that space, God began to remind me, the Holy Spirit began to remind me of literally the most tragic, hardest, darkest moment of my entire life. Now, the Holy Spirit wasn't doing that to be cruel. 
He was doing that because he wanted to bring healing in my life. See, I grew up with a single mom, and that's why I have such high admiration and respect for single parents, because no one understands what you endure. And my mom wasn't perfect. She made some poor decisions, but man, she loved me. And I'll also tell you, I was a pretty strong kid. You guys are shocked by that, all right? Like, I was a strong-willed kid, and I was in trouble all the time. I mean, literally, I wrote my name out of the chair in the principal's office, and if somebody was there when I got there every day, I would make sure that they were removed from said chair, all right? And so that was me. Well, third grade came. I was roughly nine years old. Once again, I'd gotten in trouble. My mom came to pick me up from school, had a brief interaction with the counselor and the principal, and before I knew it, we were getting into the van, and she was taking me to a facility in Battle Creek, Michigan. And I remember sitting in the waiting room of this facility, and my mom went in to have a conversation with registration or whatever they do. I was nine. I didn't care. I had toys, probably. And she came back, and she said, Justin, I'm going to go home, and I'm going to get some clothes. You're going to stay the night. And I was like, that's weird. So my mom did that and came back. What she didn't tell me is that she wouldn't be back to pick me up for 30 days. So here I was, a nine-year-old kid, in the midst of this place, every day longing for my mom to come pick me up. Now, that was hurtful. That's not the moment that the Holy Spirit was bringing me to. He was actually bringing me to a place. There was a room in this facility. It was roughly 15 by 15. It was a square box, essentially, and it had one window with a big chain-link fence over the window. It was almost like a cage. And there was a large door. I'm not sure if it was really big. I was nine. It looked big to me. But I remember if I didn't do something that they asked, they would throw me in this room and they would slam the door. And I remember being a nine-year-old kid pounding on the door with tears coming down my face just longing to be out. And it was in that moment that I gave up on God. Because here's what happened. I had rationalized that my mom had given up on me. My family didn't want me. And I realized that I wasn't even fit to be in with the general population of this place. So I figured I was messed up. And in those moments, I'd cry out to God and the door would never open. And so I realized God couldn't be trusted either. And so I threw in the towel. I gave up. Now, eventually I got out, right? I'm up here. (laughs) Praise God. But listen. Fast forward 24 years, my wife and I are at a movie. I can only imagine, this is just a few months ago. Great movie, encourage you to check it out, powerful story. But I'm in the midst of that movie with tears running down my face because the Holy Spirit's bringing me back to this room. And he's saying, Justin, you gave up here. But will you look up to me today? Because there's healing I want to do in you. And I'll tell you, I did that. I, I looked up to him and the craziest thing happened. The visual I had of that room changed. The moment I looked up to God, the door opened. The door opened. And I'll tell you, my faith has been radically transformed. When I look back to that moment in that room, there's no longer a nine-year-old kid pounding on the door wanting out. The door is open. And I've been transformed. And I tell you that story today because I'm convinced that God wants to do that in some of us today. In fact, maybe all of us. Maybe there's been a traumatic moment in our life that we've walked through where we've thrown in the towel. And today the Holy Spirit wants to take you back to that moment, not to be cruel, not to hurt you, but to take you back to that moment so that you can take back the towel and you can look up to him. Because I think God wants to open some doors in our lives today. And my question for you is, will you let him do it? The question today for you to wrestle with is in what areas of your life do you need to look to Jesus today? It could be something you're walking in today. It could be something that you're walking in, have walked through. But may today be the day where you look to Jesus in those moments. In fact, in a moment, our worship team is going to come and they're going to lead us. And they're going to lead us in a song called It Is Well. 
And my encouragement to you as that song starts is to just stay seated right where you're at. Just do work with the Lord. Say, Holy Spirit, will you search me? Will you show me the areas where you are asking me to look to you today? And then just right where you are, right in your seats, just do work with him. Let him be the one that takes you to that place. Choose to take back the towel that you've thrown in when you gave up and look up to him and watch what he will do. And then roughly halfway through that song, I recognize you may need more time than that. Halfway through that song, the worship leader is going to ask you to stand and to declare those words. It is well. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I want you to stand where you're at with hands in the air. And I want this to be your proclamation, knowing that there's going to come a day when the lights are going to go out and trauma is going to hit. I want you to choose today in this moment to say, when that moment comes, I will look up. I will trust you because you, God, are faithful. Prayer is the response to every circumstance. And when the challenge comes, we can give up or we can look up. But man, when we lift, look up and we shift our focus, it changes everything for us. So let's look up now and let's pray. God, thank you for the promise that we have that you are a God who is faithful. You are a God who is with us, just like you were with David in the midst of that cave, in the midst of that challenge, in the midst of that hardship. God, you're with us. You are the God that we can look to, the God who promises us that even when things are great, you're there, and when in the midst of trauma, you are there, and that you will take us by the hand, you will walk with us. You are the God who promises us that when the fire comes, that we will not be consumed. When the rivers seem like they're going to overwhelm us, we will not be overcome. And so, Lord, I pray in this moment, Holy Spirit, that you would give great clarity on the areas where you are asking us to look up to Jesus today. And, Lord, I pray we'd step boldly into this moment knowing that you are faithful, you are a God that can heal. And Lord, may we be a people who declare when those dark moments come, we will look up. We will not focus on the circumstances and the trauma and the darkness, but we will look to you and we know you'll change us. So we give you praise. Meet with us now, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen.